We know you have lots of questions. If you think that you've developed symptoms. Should I avoid large public gatherings? Whether schools should be closed. Welcome to Common Sense. Here we address your questions about COVID-19 with interviews featuring experts in medicine and leaders in community, public, and global health. Here's your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Welcome to the podcast, COVID-19, Common Sense Conversations on the Coronavirus Pandemic. I'm your host, Dr. Ted O'Connell. Just a reminder to our audience that this is a rapidly evolving topic, so anything we discuss today may have changed by the time you listen to this podcast. My guest today is actually a group of four, Lucy Nam, Ali Burgess, Neha Anand, and Shannon Wongwebolson, who are third-year medical students at Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, and they lead COVID Up to Date, a social media initiative aimed to provide the public with daily, concise, U.S. global, scientific, and economic news updates about the COVID-19 pandemic, along with highlights of ways people are helping out and how to take action while socially distancing. Lucy Nam graduated from Harvard College in 2017 with her degree in molecular and cellular biology. During medical school, she has led several public health organizations in Baltimore and nationally, and she spends her free time on art and design. She will be applying to surgical programs this upcoming year with an interest in the clinical applications of 3D bioengineering. Alexandra Burgess graduated from Johns Hopkins University with her degree in biomedical engineering and a minor in computer science. During medical school, she has led biomedical engineering startup companies aimed at improving global healthcare delivery, including Itemba LLC and Foresight Innovation. She has participated in local Baltimore community organizations and global initiatives to promote health equity. She is interested in the intersection of healthcare and technology and plans to specialize in otolaryngology or head and neck surgery during her residency. Neha Anand graduated from Yale College in 2017 with a degree in economics and molecular, cellular, and developmental biology. She will be completing a master's degree in public health with an emphasis on epidemiology and biostatistics, which will occur between her third and fourth years of medical school. Throughout college and medical school, she has led multiple local and national health advocacy and policy initiatives, as well as conducted research in health disparities. She plans to specialize in pediatrics. Shannon Wongwebolson graduated from UCLA in 2014 with a degree in bioengineering and a minor in biomedical research. She was the director and editor-in-chief of UCLA Total Wellness Magazine, a health publication dedicated to raising public awareness about the importance of health and motivating individuals to take charge of their personal well-being. She began her training as a physician scientist in the Johns Hopkins MD-PhD program in 2014. At Hopkins, she has continued to pursue her interests in biomedical engineering, public health, and preventive medicine. She completed her PhD in 2019 with her research focused in computational medicine as part of the Hopkins Individualized Health Initiative, with interests in the development and implementation of technology to improve health promotion as well as disease prevention, detection, and treatment. She plans to pursue training in an integrated clinical and research residency program. 
Shannon, Lucy, Allie, Neha, thank you for joining me on the podcast. Is there anything at all that I left out that you'd like the audience to know about yourselves? Thank you for the introduction and for the invitation to be cats on the podcast. We're very excited for this opportunity. We also like to add and tell the audience that the information and opinions we share represent our views and do not reflect the views of the Johns Hopkins Hospital or the School of Medicine. That's a good disclaimer so that you're not speaking for your school and getting yourselves into any hot water. So we'll, we'll take what you say. And those are all your own views. I want to tell our audience that this group, as well as some of their classmates, are doing really wonderful work with COVID up to date, which we will put into the show notes, just providing infographics to, to give really daily information in a real digestible form about what's going on with COVID-19 and the pandemic. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I just wanted to say that at the outset. So can you tell our audience where you are in your education and how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected coursework at your school? You're currently third-year medical students, and the pandemic has greatly impacted the coursework at our school. Our education has transitioned to remote distance learning for students across all four years of medical school. And medical student clinical experiences, including core clerkships, elective rotations, and sub-internships at all Hopkins-affiliated hospitals and clinical sites are currently suspended. During this time, students in their clinical years have the option of participating in online electives, ranging from remote diagnostic radiology and online clinical dermatology to COVID-19-related electives such as COVID-19 translational science and critical appraisal of the medical literature of emerging COVID-19 data. Overall, the faculty and School of Medicine as a whole have put in tremendous effort to transform the learning opportunities available to us during this challenging and unprecedented time. Yes. And, you know, this has been a real challenge for students across the country, really from grade school on up to have school suddenly put on hold, to have their teachers and professors trying to figure out what coursework is going to look like and how to try to replicate the education that you would be getting and in medicine, it's particularly challenging because of the need for hands-on in terms of learning physical exam skills and then getting out onto clinical rotations and actually learning how to take care of patients and have that put on hold has been a real challenge. And there's time pressure around it too, because these rotations will need to be made up. And so I just want to give our audience some context about the challenges that students are facing, you know, I, I, speaking from my own area of professional life in medicine and what a challenge that is for them. So the four of you and many of your classmates really decided to put your downtime to good use by creating a resource to provide a, an educational resource for the public, which is how you connected with this podcast. Can you tell our audience about the origins of your project and where they can find it online? Absolutely. So actually, I was traveling during my spring break, having a great spring break trip, um, trying to recover from my previous clinical rotations going to Toronto, Montreal. And then halfway through my spring break, I actually got an email from Hopkins saying that they were canceling all clinical rotations through an indefinite period of time. Wow. And at this time, I got a lot of emotions, including anger, um, sadness, confusion, especially since I just knew that I couldn't go back into the hospital when the patients needed it the most at the time. 
And unlike other students from other medical schools uh, at that time, a lot of the medical students from Hopkins were all happened to be away from Baltimore. A lot of them were away um, from Baltimore. And especially for me, I knew that there was no possibility for me to go back to Baltimore at this time, especially since my family and my closest friends were not in Baltimore. And so for the next few days, I was feeling very sad um, and confused about what to do and how to help. And so one night on March 17th, uh, a group of me and some of my classmates at midnight FaceTimed um, and thought about ways that we could help. Um, and we thought about creating an initiative to educate the public. We were astonished by the amount of rapid daily news updates from all these news sources online, um, but were really overwhelmed by the sheer volume and realized that there was really no resource that we could rely on that provided a lot of daily summaries and also summaries of global news. So after this hour of FaceTime, um, we agreed on creating daily news updates through infographics on Instagram. And the next day, we spent the whole day scouring the news um, and made spent the, also spent the whole day trying to figure out templates for our nightly infographics. And at 9 p.m. on March 18th, we posted our first Instagram post. And after our first post, we got a lot of positive feedback from our family and our friends. And we knew that we wanted to continue. But after the whole day of... Uh, just spending like amounts of energy on the post, we knew that this was something that we couldn't do by ourselves. And so we recruited a bunch of our friends at Hopkins and then also ha have now collaborated to other uh, medical schools as well. So our main platform that you can find us on is on Instagram at COVID up to date. Uh, and you can also find us on Facebook or Twitter also with the same handle. Great. And we'll put that in the show notes, but just so that everybody knows, it's the number two in up to date, uh, just so you make sure that you find that easily. You know, this is very heartening to hear that instead of kind of sitting around or wallowing or being upset about, obviously, it's you're justified in being upset about the situation. But instead of wallowing in that, you've taken a very proactive pitch in spirit to figure out what can you do for the betterment of society and how can you educate people? And we're seeing pockets of medical students all over the country trying to take different angles in terms of figuring out, you know, how can you continue to pursue your education and be part of the solution for this thing? So I applaud you in, in what you've been doing. Can you tell us how you decided on infographics as a way of presenting the information that you want to provide to the public? Yeah. So when we thought of the idea at midnight, we knew that we wanted something that was visually appealing and easy to digest. Um, and I knew that with the skills at the table, knowing that I'm myself is a, I'm a very artistic person um, and my other classmate know a lot about uh, graphic design, we knew that the infographics were the way to go. There's a lot of news sources out there and sometimes it's very hard to digest. And we knew that infographics are an alternative way to digest the daily news that are more appealing to individuals, especially during a time when educating the public is very important. Also, during this time um, of the pandemic, people our age use a lot of Instagram and social media to read the news. And there's a lot of news out there that may not be as reputable as others. And we just wanted to have a platform to provide really accurate information um, through reputable sources for our peers. That's great. And, and that's really points to the alignment between this podcast and what you've been doing. We've been um, I'll, I'll leave it to you to explain, but trying to align the infographics with the topics that are being covered in this podcast. And more importantly, you're talking about putting out 
reputable information for the public. And, and that's really the goal of this podcast is to provide a credible source from, from experts so that people really know where to go because sometimes the news media can distort things. So how many students are involved at this point? And with all of the work you have to do and putting this out on a daily basis, how do you delegate that work? Yeah, so our group has grown quite a bit since we started just um, a little bit over or a little less than a month ago. Um, we have about 20 students that are involved right now. Many are from Hopkins, but we also have students that have joined from University of Maryland, UCSF, and Yale. Um, and so it is a daunting task to try to delegate all this work um, while we're all in different parts of the country. But the way that we have it in general set up right now is that uh, usually one person is assigned to kind of research the content for a graphic, and they're paired with someone who does the um, graphic design for it. So in that way, we kind of have these pairs together um, to um, create the graphic itself. And then once the graphic is all made, we send it to the whole team so everybody can put their edits in and suggestions. So everybody has kind of a say in what actually goes um, on the on our social media. And in that way, also kind of provides like another layer of, uh, you know, not kind of involving like personal bias and things like that as well. Science, science, science. science. Hello, podcast fans. Want to get weird with us? Come check out the Mad Scientist podcast. We're a weekly show that looks at the history, philosophy and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions. Did the government really pay for a psychic spy program? Yes. Is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing? Yes! Can a roller coaster really kill you? Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast. Wow, there's some real serious organization going on there. I'm impressed. Um, how do you select topics for the infographics? So, in addition to having uh, those like daily US and global news um, summaries that we have every night, which are drawn from the news of the day um, from those reputable sources, which we have a, a list that a list we have for um, collecting those. Um, we also put out like myth busters every night as well. And we usually get those myths either from like the WHO, CDC, um, other literature as well. But we also have uh, a lot of general categories that we've come up with um, that are kind of evolving based off of, uh, you know, the situation that changes every day. So we have in general, we have scientific breakthroughs and educational topics, economic updates, like action items, highlights about how people can help out during the crisis. And we've coined this uh this kind of series called Humans in the Time of COVID. So uh, for each of these categories, we uh, have people who are specifically interested in, in these topics. For example, people are delving very deep into the mechanisms and, uh, of, and potential treatments about the virus as well as how it works. Others are researching the modeling in like historical context behind social distancing. So uh, it's really driven by our our team's like interest uh, at the end of the day. But we are um, really like inspired by the printed topics that are coming up daily in the news, and also trying to filter out the news and what is actually credible information um, that we think the public would benefit from. So it's just curious about during this time. And we get a lot of input from our family and friends and also our followers themselves on Instagram as well, because we're able to kind of interact with them on that platform as well. Yes. And I'd like to tell our audience, there's a lot of appeal to the content that COVID up to date 
presents. Because whether you're looking for more scientific information about what's going on related to COVID-19, or whether you're looking for more news type information, or whether you like personal interest stories, there's, you know, stories about individuals in the midst of this pandemic that they really do have all of these different areas covered and, and do it really, really well. So I had alluded earlier, actually said specifically that the intent of this podcast is all about providing credible information about COVID-19 for the general public. And your infographics are doing a really great job of this. Where else are you pointing other people who ask you, patients even, for credible resources about this pandemic? Yeah, there are a lot of really great resources that have been popped during um, this time. And like I mentioned before, we have a list that we um, update frequently with these resources. So other than the official information that comes out of the CDC and WHO, uh, the John, Johns Hopkins itself also has a really coronavirus resource center. Um, it has information, uh, basic information um, about the pandemic and frequently asked questions. And it also has a lot of global data to understand the trends of the pandemic too for those who are interested in that. Um, for people who are more interested in the scientific updates, uh, we usually look at Lit COVID because they have a lot of, uh, they update with uh, COVID-related publications every day. And then I also particularly like um, Kaiser Family Foundation's coronavirus page for understanding more of the uh, economic and policy aspects of the pandemic. So those are some of the places we um, would point people to. For the news itself that we put out every day, we, we choose from fact-based sources that are well-known and we usually confirm across multiple um, outlets. So um, this could be this from the New York Times, Washington Post, BBC Economist, amongst other, other really well-known fact-based sources. That's great. Thank you for sharing that with everyone. We'll make sure that we get those links from you and get those into the show notes so that our audience, if they're looking for really good sources of information other than the, the infographics that you're putting out and, and this podcast, that they have those that have been kind of stamped with approval by this group. And, and I agree wholeheartedly with those resources that you've mentioned. Can you tell us what is the general feeling among medical students with whom you've talked about how they're feeling about how the COVID pandemic is affecting medical education and really affecting their career paths? Yeah, so I think for everyone, the general feeling changes day by day, and especially as the COVID pandemic has escalated and more information becomes available. Um, most medical students I know feel uncertain and overwhelmed, just like the general public, and especially how the disruption has caused our education to pause and will affect our journeys going forward. But more than that, I think there's a frustration as medical students that we can't be in the hospital, as Lucy alluded to earlier, and we can't contribute like the faculty and the residents that we've spent the last few years emulating and learning from. And I think for a lot of us in medicine, there's a focus throughout our careers in planning for the next step and planning for our next transition. But this pandemic has caused us to put our individual paths into perspective, um, especially when all of the individual healthcare players are uniting towards this common goal. And for me personally, one of the silver linings has been being uh, able to work with other classmates and colleagues on this educational infographic initiative and kind of being able to bridge the gap between the public and the medical community. And it's really shown me how people are united despite being in distant places across the country. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so clinical rotations you mentioned have been put on hold. Really, all of medical school's been put on hold. But clinical rotations where you would go into the hospitals or into the clinics to take care of patients have been put on hold for medical students nationwide for two weeks initially. And many, if not most, schools still have not restarted rotations for a variety of of reasons. What's the status at Johns Hopkins? At Hopkins, clinical rotations have been put on hold since the middle of March and will be suspended until at least May 26. Currently, the decision about when to resume rotations is still ongoing, and there's a lot of uncertainty right now about when clerkships will be resuming. Yeah, that's a really tough situation to be in with that with that degree of uncertainty. You know, for the, our audience to understand, there are certain rotations that need to be completed in medical school in order to be ready to apply for residency programs. And then in your fourth year of medical school, you do audition rotations where you take a deeper dive into the specialty that you're planning to apply to. And you usually try to do it at institutions where you think you might want to do residency. And with all of that put on hold, it really has this domino effect where it can affect preparedness for residency. It can affect the residency program's ability to evaluate candidates. It can even create, you know, if there's a long enough gap, the question becomes, how do we get the next cohort ready to become residents on their on their path to becoming full-fledged physicians? So there, there really is a lot of angst around this, and especially with so much uncertainty. So what else besides what you're up to, what else are you seeing medical students doing to try to help out and be involved while their medical education and their rotations are on hold? Yeah, so the variety is actually very amazing. Many students are helping out both in person while in Baltimore or remotely at their uh, hometowns. At Hopkins, the Incident Command Call Center is a place where students can volunteer to man the front desk or help out with logistical tasks that are non-patient facing uh, throughout the day. Um, and then students who are interested in research or engineering are working on 3D printed supplies like face shields to combat the PPE shortages across the country. There are also opportunities in Baltimore through the Baltimore Mutual Aid Collective, and these uh, are addressing other community deficits like helping elderly individuals who have unique challenges who are quarantining or helping out with PPE drives or even helping with childcare for healthcare workers who um, have that unique challenge of uh, having their kids at home while trying to care for patients. And it's really amazing how everyone's been jumping in to help out any way that they can. Some of my friends have responded to the blood shortages by donating blood across the country or making hand-sewn masks for their community. And even in the social media realm, it's great to see that a lot of medical schools or other groups have created their own groups to share information from reputable sources. And I think the variety of initiatives that my friends and colleagues have participated in has been inspiring. Yeah, that's even the things you outline there are quite amazing. And I will say, as a residency program director who reads hundreds of applications each year during the residency application process, I'm always so impressed and inspired by the work that that the applicants have done during college and their medical school years and just seeing like what great hands the future of medicine is in. I just think over these next couple of years, as we read applications, it's going to be truly inspiring 
to take this window in time from March 2020 until whenever we're beyond this pandemic and just see the the amazing things that students have done to to jump in and to be active and helpful and and trying to help save lives in the process. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing that on a larger scale and be able to get a sense of what everybody's been up to because I think it'll be really interesting and inspiring. So as we wind down this interview, I want to acknowledge the kind of societal and economic impact that this pandemic is having on the economy as a whole. It's also really affecting small business owners and restaurants and businesses like that and affecting the people who own them and the, and certainly the people who work in those institutions. And so I've been asking each of our guests if there is a small business or a restaurant where perhaps somebody could go get takeout as a way of supporting the restaurant. If there are any businesses in your community that you would like to give a shout out to, and we'll make sure we get those names and social media handles put out there as well as a way of trying to support them. So is there any anybody in your community that you want to support by giving them a shout out? Yeah, I'd love to shout out um, Ekiben, which is a great uh, local food place uh, that I go to very often in Baltimore. It's a great, great uh, place for food. Great. Any others? I'll shout out uh, my favorite uh, restaurant in Baltimore, which is Kipo, K-I-P-P-O. Uh, it's a ramen place. Um, I've been there many, many times, and I hope after this is all over, I'll be able to go again. I'll shout out uh, Charmed Kitchen, which is a new restaurant that recently opened up in Baltimore in my neighborhood. Okay, great. And Shannon, we're going to put you on the spot. I'll give a shout out to Honey Grow, which um, is also a place that people can go to in Baltimore. Okay. And next time you all go to these locations, let the let the owners know you gave them a shout out and you're doing what you can to try to help support them. We thank you on behalf of the podcast and on behalf of our audience for taking the time out of your schedule to join us. And also thank you for all the work you're doing with COVID up to date and just trying to give the public a, a really credible source of information that's visual and easily digestible. It's uh, great work that you're doing and I'm sure it's appreciated. So thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. This has been a production of Ars Longa Media. Our producers are Madison Linden and Chris Brightigan. Our executive producer is Dr. Patrick Beeman. If you have questions about COVID-19 that you'd like discussed on the podcast, send an email to info at arslanga.media. This podcast is for educational purposes only and not intended for medical advice. Be vigilant but remain calm. Ars Longa, Vita Brevis.